Gibbs and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And just like that, it's 3 o'clock here on Burns and Gambo. We hope you were with us for the first hour. We covered a lot of stuff already. Stuff we'll continue to cover throughout the course of the day, whether it's Sean Payton, the latest on the Cardinals coaching search, and of course, Eric Ruby's got it all in the Sports Center updates as well. Suns tonight taking on the Toronto Raptors, a team that potentially they could be doing business with on February 9th with the NBA's trade deadline. Some rumors to that extent, Gambo. But since we're talking about the Suns, let's focus in on what has been the longest-running soap opera in local history, and that is the Jake Crowder trade situation, where we expect resolution one way or another on February 9th with the trade deadline, right? I mean, it's just... One way or another, we're going to get you. One way or another. I got to get you, get you, get you, get you. I got to get you, get you, get you. Oh, my God. It's going to happen. Maybe we've taken a turn towards resolution, and I bring in Sham Sharania and this soundbite from him, the athletic NBA insider who says the Suns have given the Milwaukee Bucks permission to speak with Jay Crowder. I think we're finally at the 10-yard line of the Jay Crowder saga. I'm told the Suns have given permission to the Bucks to meet one-on-one with Jay Crowder ahead of the trade deadline. I'm told this meeting took place over the weekend between Jay Crowder and the Bucks, and, and they've been seriously engaged in conversations. Uh, sources tell me that the Bucks' recent offer, most current offer, offer is Jordan Awara, Serge Ibaka, George Hill, uh, second round draft compensations for Crowder. It's, it's a nothing <laughs> trade. It's a nothing. It's a nothing. That's... George Hill is terrible. Abak is terrible. Noir yeah. uh, is not not good. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a good trade. I mean, it's three it's three bodies. But George Hill George Hill's so old and he can't really play anymore. Abak is the Suns have no interest in Abak. I've checked on that. They don't really like Hill. I mean, the second round draft pick compensation. Okay, I mean, if you get a pick or a couple of picks. You know, but they're not giving up anything that matters. Milwaukee's not giving you anything that that that's good for them. So it's it's just to me it's what do you, it's the second round picks. I I wouldn't even think that all three of those guys stay on the Phoenix Suns if they got them. So I would think more than anything, it's the draft pick compensation that you would get as to what you would have some interest in. Look, it doesn't, and the re- that was the reason why I just, with that soundbite was done, I just kind of let it breathe with a little silence because it was just sort of, wow, that's it, huh? But you know what? This is, this is also kind of the manifestation of what we've been talking about for weeks now. Don't expect a lot in a Jay Crowder trade. You're not going to get it. You know, I mean, this no, is nope. all this is going to do is close the chapter on a book. All this is going to do is is allow you to turn the page to the next thing. This is not the only way a Jay Crowder trade is is something more significant than this is if other things are attached to Jay as part of a trade. Another contract so you get a bigger contract back. Draft picks going out so you get a better player coming in. If we're talking about Jay Crowder and just Jay Crowder going out, folks, ladies and gentlemen, Suns fans, prepare to be underwhelmed. It's prepare to but hear the deal come that? down on February. Well, yeah, we've been saying I, we've been saying it for weeks, for but I weeks. think yeah, but I, I think to hear those names and then to look at those names and go. Gosh, really? Is that it? Is sort of that, like that moment of surrender where you just go, okay, you know what? I I give. It's not going to be that much. It can't be that much. It's not going to really impact your fortunes at all. And and 
I guess, in that regard. I don't blame James Jones for waiting until the bitter end to see if he can do better than that, because if that's the best he can yeah. do, that ain't very good. I have reported before that the Suns did not want a Bach, and they're really not interested in anything Milwaukee has. So that is the truth. The Suns are really not interested in anything Milwaukee has. So if you're making this trade, I would think it's for, I'd rather just get a couple of draft picks for them. I'm not getting anything good. And you try to do that. You just try to get a couple of second round picks and then you can always use them in a future trade or move them around somewhere else. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind that there's really not a whole lot on that Milwaukee roster that Milwaukee's making available that the Phoenix Suns have interest in. George Hill is not a guy they have interest. Abaka is not a guy they have interest in. Jordan Nawara, he's you know he doesn't really play very much. He's you know he's not not good. I mean, Milwaukee's trying to win a championship. They're not going to give you a rotation piece. They're not going to give you somebody you know that's playing you know that that's playing and playing well for him. You're not going to get that. Here's more Shams when he was talking about this potential deal and what the holdup has been. Can these two sides get a deal done one-on-one? Do they need to find a third team? That's really been the issue, the holdup this whole time is the, the Suns have wanted a 3-4 back in, the, in, in return for any trade. They have not been able to find it. They've tried to get Jalen McDaniels, K.J. Martin, on and on. They just have not been able to get that package with the, whatever the Bucks have to offer. The Heat and Hawks, they remain in play, but the fact mm. that the Bucks are the only team that have gone this far you know, it gives some credence that I think Milwaukee is in pole position to get him. <laughs> they know the Suns uh, do not like anything on that roster. If they get him, it's probably the compensation. The Jalen McDaniels name came up again this week, and I'm telling you, the Suns don't want Jalen McDaniels. They do not want Jalen McDaniels. I know that name comes up quite a bit, but the Suns do not have interest in him, you know, at all. So he is a unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He had a good game against the Suns recently. He's had a few good games, uh, but that's not a player that they like. So that's not a player that the Suns are interested in. So that name's come about quite a bit. I know I usually rule out players and I've ruled out McDaniels before and I'll continue to rule out McDaniels as a guy that they would they would they would go after. Yeah, I in in I'll continue to hold out hope for this. All right, like if it's like I just said a second ago, if it's Jay Crowder and just Jay Crowder, I am very prepared to be completely underwhelmed with the return. Whether it's Nawara, George Hill, whomever, I, I I think if it's a one-on-one trade, just Jay Crowder, just one team, just the Milwaukee Bucks, I think we should all be prepared to be very underwhelmed. And that will just be James Jones basically saying, "I tried, I tried, I tried. This was the very best I could do." I'm going to hold out hope that the reason there's a delay in the Jay Crowder trade is that there's still a hope that Jay Crowder's salary can be attached to somebody else's salary, Dario, Landry, whomever else you want to talk about on the Suns roster, and that we're talking about something bigger, closer to the deadline. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, because I think for anything to truly happen, it's going to require the Suns to give up future first-round draft picks. Whether they're inclined to do that, I don't know. Whether this is the kind of deal that Ishbia has to sign off on, I would imagine there's probably some of that involved here, too. So before, before I become resigned to the idea that nothing good at all is going to come of a Jay Crowder trade. And I'm there, I'm like right on the fringe of just truly believing nothing at all good is going to come from a Jay Crowder trade. Before I take the plunge into that abyss, I'm going to sit here and say, you know what, I'm going to hold out the idea that maybe James and with Ishbi 
media coming in is working on Jay plus this salary plus a draft pick for this guy, and he can salvage this with something that is truly a usable piece going forward. But as it stands, Jay just by himself, I am 100% committed to the idea that there is just not much coming back in return for that. That That's the way right. it's going to be. Yeah, and again, I mean, if that's the proposed trade and you're getting back a Baca, you might just let him go right away. George Hill, I mean, maybe as a third guard. Uh, Jordan Orr, I mean, you're not keeping all three of those guys. You're not going to keep them. Um, I doubt it. Um, like I've said, you know, the Suns feel that they, you know, it's hard for them to get players that are better than the guys that they're playing right now. It's hard for them to get somebody better than Damian Lee or Josh Okoji or Jock Landale. It's hard for them to guys find guys that are better than that. Again, that, that Jay Crowder trade to me would signify it's more about the draft picks than it is the players because, again, there's not a lot on that Milwaukee roster that is interested. Phoenix, somebody mentioned to me, and I'm checking on this, and I wouldn't rule this one out, but somebody mentioned to me uh, Kobe White. I haven't done, I'm trying to find out more. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me. That was reported, that was suggested over the weekend that maybe the Suns and the Bulls were talking about a Kobe White trade. I'd forgotten about that. I'm glad you reminded me. Yeah, just an interesting name. Um, You know, with campaign being injured, you'd have a a backup point guard. He's, you know, it's a, he's he's a younger player. He shoots the three pretty, you know, you know, okay. He's an okay three point shooter. I, I haven't really been able to find out anything on that, so I'm not going to rule that name out yet. Uh, but that proposed Milwaukee deal is just like the. Man, that is nothing. That that at that point, it's like okay, we're done. This is the best we could do, and let's get some second round draft pick compensation, and we'll try to use that to you know to sweeten the pot in a future deal down the road. When we come back, what exactly do the 49ers have to do to keep a quarterback healthy these days? Anyway, their run with Mister Irrelevant came to a crashing conclusion yesterday in the NFC Championship game, courtesy of the Eagles and a former Cardinal. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 10, 9, 8. The Philadelphia Eagles have won the NFC Championship. 4, 3, 2, 1. By the final score, the Eagles 31, the 49ers 7. Attention, air traffic control. A flock of eagles is heading to Arizona. That's some good old cheesy yeah. right there. Uh, That's really cheesy. Wow. Uh, the, the Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers yesterday in the NFC Championship game. And boy, you want to you talk about feeling bad for somebody. We could feel bad for Joseph Asai for making that, that awful mistake that certainly cost the Bengals any chance of winning that game against Kansas City. But when you're a team like the 49ers and you've got one of the most talented rosters in the NFL and you're basically in in essence, relying on your fifth-string quarterback, who is, in fact, your third-string quarterback. But as we came to find out today, Gambo suffered a torn ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow. There's, there's a reason he couldn't throw any more than five yards. He might need Tommy John surgery in the wow. offseason in order to come back for the 49ers. We just found that out in the last moment or so. And when that injury happens early in that game, and you got Josh Johnson in there, ball game, man. Game over. It was. It was game over. 
Yeah, it was. He was the guy from Aliens. Game over, man. Game over. It's game over. There was no reason to watch that thing yesterday. Listen, I didn't think that they that San Francisco was going to win that, win that game anyway. You know, Brock Purdy had, had been seven and zero, but two of those only two of those were on the road. Both were in the West Coast, Seattle and, and Las Vegas. That's a whole different animal going up against that pass rush of the Eagles, which is phenomenal. We'll talk about Hassan Reddick in a second. Um, but yeah, once Purdy went out of the game, I mean, it was just no question. It almost makes you think that the NFL should always. They'll have three. Every team for, for playoff games should have three quarterbacks on the roster. There's no way that you should only have two because you know two guys go down. And there's always a slim chance that that happens. Not a big chance, but a slim chance. And yeah, you know, if they would have had to put Christian McCaffrey in that game to be their quarterback, that would have been ridiculous. So you know, I almost think that you've got to have a, be able to have a third quarterback available just in case of a you know break glass emergency type of thing. I heard Luke Lipinski talking about this earlier, and I don't think he's wrong. It feels like every single year something happens in one of these games where we think, oh, you got to tweak that. you got to fix that. That next year they need to address this somehow. And, and I agree. I, I think that's the thing that needs to be addressed next year. I, I think just to avoid this idea, because Christian McCaffrey, if memory serves, did come in for a series yesterday and try to play. It was well decided by then. And I look, I'll even give the 49ers a little bit of credit here. They, they, they were never going to win, not with Brock Purdy being injured like that, but boy, did they hang in there for a while, right? Their defense was making life tough on Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles were having a hard time moving the ball for most of that first half. The the 49ers were shooting themselves in the foot with all of those penalties, with all of the first downs that came off of all of those penalties. You know, Josh Johnson has the ball, hit him right in the hands, it's a fumble, that turns into a touchdown right before halftime. The 49ers I thought for the bulk of that first half were at least making an appearance that they could make a game out of it even though they were down to their fourth string quarterback. Yeah, it was fool's it was fool's gold, but they were hanging in there for no, a lot they, of that they game. were. I just kept thinking, man, what they need is they need the turnover. They need the short field, they need the interception return for a touchdown, they need the they need yep. the big play. They need the That's fumble. That's exactly what they needed. That's and it. They, they, the defense played great, but they just didn't get that. Right? They didn't get that. But that's what they needed. They needed the big turnover. But then eventually, I mean, you know, you, as you're watching the game, it, you know, once it got up to two scores and then three scores, okay, this thing is over. I give them a lot of credit because it was, I mean, it was it was a hard-fought game. They were in it. I mean, it was it was 14-7 to seven, and then, you know, you go into the second half and like, okay, and but then once it got to, you know, 21 and then 28, okay, you're done. Right after the, uh, the Hurst touchdown from a yard out, that capped a 15-play, 91-yard drive, 28-7, to seven, like they were done. They didn't have the ability to throw the ball down the field. Now, they went to Purdy. They went back to Purdy, but even told the coach, like, I can't throw the ball more than, like, five yards. Like, it was yeah. it was like nine runs in ten plays, and he only there was one pass play, but then they just ran it. Like, you know that they're going to run the ball. You know the quarterback can't throw the ball. Like, they really would have been better off with anybody that at least allowed them to throw the ball down the field there. So I just think the rules have to change and because that, that was terrible. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers had, they were a one dimensional football team the entire second half. Yeah, and and I wasn't making it up when I talked about the torn UCL. UCL. Uh, Tom Palacero, Adam Schefter, others reporting that Brock Purdy suffered a complete tear of the UCL in his throwing elbow and will undergo surgery. He's getting second opinions. The initial hope is that he can undergo a repair and not a reconstruction. Tommy John is the reconstruction. They're hoping he can just get it repaired and be ready for training camp. If he needs reconstruction, 
position, well, now put him on the timeline of a pitcher in Major League Baseball. Now you're talking about a year before he can come back. Oh, what so a the, shame. The Brock, oh, it's it's total shame. And, and I, I think you're right. And I was leaning 49ers all last week. I changed my mind on Friday and went with the Eagles. I, I, I would have been curious to see what sort of game that would have been if Brock Purdy could have played. I still think the Eagles would have won, but became so limited, as you mentioned, so one-dimensional. There were just so many things out there that they couldn't do. And then you, you add on all the penalties and all the mistakes that the San Francisco 49ers were making. And we haven't even gotten into Hassan Reddick. And we will a little later on in the show. Okay, but, before you but, go there, how about just not being able to get a good enough look on the pass to, to, to Devontae Smith? You know, fourth and three, they go for it. It's a 28-yard pass. It was an incomplete pass. And yep. they were, you know, you weren't able to to challenge. You didn't challenge it. Now, Shanahan had a reason why, and I think said we just couldn't get a good enough look at it. But that's fourth and three. They score a touchdown at 7 nothing. The whole game, that was a big part of the game. Now, eventually, they obviously, the Eagles went on and cruised to a victory. But, you know, th- those you've got to be quick on those. Like, you, you can't allow a team to have a fourth and three completion for 20 now if that's incomplete now you're talking about a 52 yard field goal or they you know or no they, they don't even get the they, they went for it so it would have been your ball you it was fourth and three ball. you would have had the ball yeah. they don't have seven points like you almost feel like okay if you're not you, you, somebody's got to get a new good enough look and tell you in time that you got to challenge that yeah and, and, and I mean there's a couple things here going on I mean number one uh, at the very least Shanahan could have called a timeout right so he could have he could have bought himself a little more time to get a good look at it number Number two, he could have just blindly threw the red challenge flag, knowing it was going to cost him a timeout, just to, you know, as not a Hail Mary, but kind of just a, hey, on blind faith, I'm going to throw this out there and let's see. Let's find out. I, I would have gone for the timeout option. Sure. It's early three, in the game. It's only one timeout. It's early and it was the first drive. Right. And the option number three is that the NFL does have the ability to, to kind of buzz down to the officials and say, whoa, 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 hold on a sec. We got to take a look at this. Hold on just a second. The, the, the NFL does have that power to be able to, to initiate its own kind of booth review in that moment, even when it's not under two minutes. And the fact that it wasn't used there. A lot of people point to Sirianni later in the game on the play where Purdy got hurt, right? Sirianni challenged that immediately. Like, no, fumble. And whether he even got a good look at it or not, he challenged it almost right away. And early in that game, people were saying, see, it's already Sirianni won and Shanahan nothing because Sirianni blindly challenged the play without getting a good look at it, just kind of instinctively saying you should take a look at this, and Shanahan didn't. And who knows what would have happened differently with the game had Shanahan challenged it or called a timeout so people could have had a little more time to take a look at it. He he hesitated, and it well, cost his team. That's seven points off the board. You're not playing catch-up, and then you get the ball you know, in pretty decent field position because it's your 35-yard line. So that was a yeah, that was a huge play early in the game. You know, in the end, look, I mean, in the end, I mean, the Eagles just overwhelmed them. Their ability to run the football uh, was tremendous. Their defense was great. Um, you know, but you go look at the first-half stats, you're like, they were very even. I mean, San Francisco had 61 yards rushing. Philly had 69. San Francisco had 56 yards passing. Philly had 97. The difference was the two turnovers in the game. That was the difference. They turned the ball over, and that cost them big time. 
Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line when it comes to the NFC Championship game or Super Bowl 57 here in our own backyard. You can text us on the FanDuel text line at 620-620. When we come back, head coach isn't the only big question the Arizona Cardinals face this offseason. They've got that third pick in the NFL draft, and we have got a suggestion coming up in the next segment that is quite literally the dream scenario for the Arizona Cardinals at number three. What is it? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Monday to you. As always, thanks for hanging out with us here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Monday, a Monday in which we know what our Super Bowl 57 matchup is going to be, the one that we are hosting here in Arizona in 13 days. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. We are looking forward to that. I would imagine both of those fan bases are going to be invading our hometown here. Coming up in about a week or so, we look forward to being good hosts, and hopefully they listen to us while they're in here on the Burns and Gambo Show. In the meantime, time, we're focused, Gambo, on the Cardinals and what they can do to fix this mess of a season that they've had. And, of course, the coaching search still continues. We've got upwards now of 11, 12. I've lost track now of the number of names that have been affiliated with the Cardinals coaching search. Sean Payton right on down to Vance Joseph and everybody in between. Three new names added today. And then there's the draft pick. And and the, the draft pick that you and I have both said we would not give up for Sean Payton. Not the first round pick anyway. We certainly wouldn't do it. Um, I found a mock draft today, Gambo, that I think is the dream. That is absolutely the... It's the best scenario possible. If this can happen, this is the dream. Are you ready for me to... You've seen it. Are you ready for me to lay it on everybody? First of all, where's it from? It's from it's from a website called the 33rd Man. Okay. And it's... uh, You actually showed me the 33rd man you found a story from them several months ago and i hadn't heard that much about them they've they've actually got quite a few kind of big time names affiliated with it maybe not ones that we're familiar with a lot of former players seem to be commentators on there and, and writers on there and, and contributors yeah. there the 33rd so team the th- I think did i say the, the 33rd man yeah i think it's oh, the 33rd okay, team I believe you are correct. My third team. I, that's how that's how new it is to it's me. So new. I got the name wrong. It's the thirty third team. You are correct. All right, hit me with All your right. best shot. Let's go, Pat Benatar. Here it is. All right. With first pick in this mock draft, the Chicago Bears take Jalen Carter, interior defensive lineman, Georgia. No trade. Okay. With second pick. In this draft, the Houston Texans take C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. Gotcha. With the third pick, the Indianapolis Colts complete a trade with the Arizona Cardinals. The Colts give up their second-round pick and the fourth pick overall to move up one spot to take Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. Done. (laughs) <laughs> Done. I'll take it. I'm getting a free second round pick and still getting the guy that I would take anyway. Yes. So and the Cardinals I, so I with end, the fourth pick yeah. take Will Anderson, edge rusher, Alabama. So I end up with Will Anderson anyway, and I end up with so now I've got two early picks in the second round. 
Correct to move. Gold. Gold. Because you Gold. know what? If I, you know what I could do with those two second round picks? I could move up again in the first round if there's somebody I really love. If I want to get the to. best, if I want to get one of the best offensive linemen in a draft, I could sit there and say, okay, I'll give up pick number 34 and number 35 to move up, you know, into the 20s to go get a, because you could do that. Like you, you could stay where you are and take two players, or you could even move up into the first round again with those two picks because that's that's a lot of uh jimmy johnson points right there adding those two early second round picks together it's a lot of inventory it absolutely. is now, mm-hmm. i i think the 33rd team uh, they they got the numbers slightly wrong the, the cardinals have the 35th pick the colts would have the 36th pick so you'd be adding 36 to your war chest but yeah so that added on to the fact that you're expected to get a comp pick as well that would give the Arizona Cardinals one, two, three, four, five of the first ninety-seven picks. That doesn't even include a DeAndre Hopkins trade, now, okay. right? Which I would presume would give them either another pick somewhere in that top ninety-seven. So you make a deal like this, and you go trade DeAndre Hopkins. Now you're talking about what six of the first one hundred players? Yeah, but in they, the NFL draft. But look at the look at the draft chart value, and this is what I love about this trade. Okay, so. Say say you ha- say you make that trade. You move down a spot. I love it. It's the perfect scenario. You got these two these two second round picks. The, the value of pick number thirty four is five hundred and sixty points. The value of pick number thirty five is five hundred and fifty. So that's ten eleven hundred and ten points. Okay, that value is worth the fourteenth pick in the draft overall. Fourteenth is New England, who loves to trade. So I'm just saying, like it just it creates a lot of opportunities for you, where you could take those two picks in the second round and move into the middle of the first round for fair fair market value. You could do that for fair market value. You could have the fourteenth pick, or you stay where you are, and you end up with two really good players in the second round. It just creates a tremendous amount of options if you did want to move back into the first round for a team that was looking to get out of the first round. No doubt. Now, unfortunately, you know, and, and again, we got a couple of months to figure this out, but I, I think where the suggestion sort of falls apart is the idea that the Bears are going to stick at number one and take a pick. Now, now that, I, I just feel like at the end of the day, the quarterback needy teams are going to come calling. The quarterbacks are going to establish themselves in all of the underwear Olympics and all of the pro days, and, and before you know it, they're going to be shooting up the boards. I, I, I have a feeling somebody is going to call Chicago and make them an offer that they simply can't say no to, and that quarterbacks are going to go 1-2 in the draft. Now, that doesn't kill the dream, okay? It just means that the Cardinals would have to trade out of three, but fall no further than five in order to get one of those two defensive players and extra inventory for the trouble of moving back a couple of spots. I, I, I suppose the only thing that keeps that from happening is if one of those defensive players, let's say for the purpose of today's conversation, it is Jalen Carter, like this mock draft suggests, that, that Jalen Carter is so good the Bears say, we can't do it. We just can't pass it. He's our Aaron Donald. He, he's gonna he's gonna be our guy for the next fifteen years, and we can't pass up on that. If he's that good, maybe the Bears stay put. And if the Bears stay put and make that pick and take a defensive player, oh my gosh, the Cardinals are gonna get so many calls for the number three pick, Gambo. It's gonna be insane. Or there's not a lot of separation between the three quarterbacks. 
between Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis, there's not a tremendous amount of separation. So there's not that one guy that, oh my God, this is going to be the next, you know, Peyton Manning. I got to go get this guy. So maybe a team says, okay, I don't have to get to one. I'm good. Let me trade with the Cardinals. I'll get one of those guys. I like. So I would think for somebody to, like Chicago, I think that they could stay with that pick and make and take Carter. I think they could stay there and get the dominant defensive guy. It would have to take one of those quarterbacks being head and shoulders better than the other ones to get somebody to be to go to number one because there's a good chance you can get if all three guys are like okay they're good I you know you have to absolutely love a guy to move up to number one if you don't love them and you just think they're good you might be better off moving up to you know three or four or five to get that guy if memory serves that's what the 49ers did when they moved up to Lance they moved up to I think it was third and with the idea that that they loved enough of all of the quarterbacks that they'd be happy you know depending on how it broke. I think they thought they were going to get Lance at three, if I'm remembering this right. But there was also a little bit of a kind of a blind leap into that spot, like not quite sure what was going to happen in front of them, but just knowing whatever the outcome was, there would be a quarterback that they would very much like to take at yeah. number three in that spot, and they were okay just moving there, not knowing specifically who it was. Maybe the same thing well, happens Well, remember here. Buffalo. Buffalo was at 21, then they moved up to 12, then they moved up again to seven. Buffalo made two trades to get Josh Allen. They traded with Cincinnati, and then they traded with Tampa because that's how they moved up, but they didn't get it into the top five. They were able to get Josh Allen at number seven, but it took them two separate trades to move up and get him. Yeah, and that's, again, same sort of deal where we're not exactly sure what we are going to get, but we know we're going to get one of the quarterbacks that we like. We don't know how it's going to, you know, maybe some team screws it up for us and takes Josh Allen before we can at number seven, but we feel pretty good that that guy's going to be there and we'll have a chance to get one of the guys that we like in that spot. Maybe the Cardinals can benefit from that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. Certainly the simplest way would be for the Bears to take a defensive player at number one, and then I would think, the Cardinals could, you know, I, I mean, ideally, they just swap spaces with the Colts, move down one spot, get their defensive player, pick up an next. I mean, that, I mean, what a, like you say, to be able to package those two second rounders if you want to, or to use those two yeah. second rounders, you might have a third second rounder to play with when you get the DeAndre Hopkins trade. You've got two third rounders between the comp pick and the one you've already got. There's so many choices out there for the Cardinals if they play their cards right. You know, you know how they always say, like, the draft starts at a certain number? Right, they always say, "Oh, the draft starts at number five with this pick, or the draft start really starts at number six with this year. The draft really starts at number one with Chicago." Yeah, it does. It truly it really starts does. at number one because that will dictate everything that's going on. Somebody moves up for a quarterback, it changes everything. They take Jalen Carter. That's the, I mean, then that changes everything too because it puts you know the Cardinals in a really good spot. So I think that this year, more than any other year, the draft really does start at number one. The NBA trade deadline is fast approaching. The league, the West, is full of competitive teams to help us navigate the waters of what could be a very active deadline. ESPN's Bobby Marks. He joins us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Monday. Trade deadline is a week and a handful of days on top of that away. February 9th, we'll certainly get some clarity in terms of what the league decides to do. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, frequent guest here on the station. We always enjoy and appreciate our conversations with SPN front office insider Bobby Marks, who joins us here on Burns and Gambo. Bobby, welcome back to the show. I hope this call finds you well. How are you today? 
I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Oh, uh, just waiting for this Jay Crowder trade for like five months now. We've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, I'm telling you, like I, every time I check in with the Suns, it's like you know teams like Jay, but I don't think you know he's a, he's an yeah. older guy on an expiring contract. He's a he's not an athletic guy. I think teams like him, but nobody really wants to give up anything of value, especially with all these teams that are still contending for a playoff spot right now. No, you're right. I mean, I think it's I think it's backfired a little bit, probably on both sides. Um, that he we don't see him. Right. I think it's, you know, I, I, I talked about it about a week ago and I said that if he had kind of played his card right and similar to kind of the PJ Tucker situation in Houston after Harding got traded, I mean, Milwaukee was kind of able to see him up close and personal on the court and they wound up giving up a first for him, um, you know, for a guy that was on, I think, on an expiring contract. So I think it is a little bit more of a challenge when you are, um, you know, we, he hasn't played since, I guess, game seven. Uh, he is in a bit of an older player. He's on an expiring contract. His numbers probably offensively have declined a little bit here. Um, and then, you know, then the asking price. And most of these deals, uh, I think since the last four years, I think 85% of the, the trade uh, during the regular season have happened during the week of the deadline here. So out of the, we're at a point of no return come February 9th. Either he will be on his roster, and I don't know what happens then, uh, or he'll be traded, which is probably probably highly uh, likely. Are you shocked at the just the, the amount of names that have been associated with the Jay Crowder trade? I mean, I feel like I've been ch- chasing rumors, honestly, for months and months now with so many players that have been linked to Jay Crowder, but so many of those rumors are just false. The Suns were never interested yeah. in those guys. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with this contract. I think, you know, if he was making... 24, 25 million, you know, we probably rule out a lot of names, but when you're making, you know, right around 10, you know, $10.2 million, it's kind of a, it's a perfect number. You know, you could take back a guy making $7 million, you could take, or you could, you know, take back a guy making $12 million here. And there's a lot of, when you look at, you know, a good majority of the NBA uh, players under contract are making it that average player salary here. But yeah, there's been a lot of, some stuff's got life to it, you know, but there's, I would say the majority of it, it just, just have not been true. Bobby Marks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. It, it, this Suns team right now today, as it's currently constructed, is it worth an all-in multiple future first-round draft pick kind of trade 10 days from now? Or, in your opinion, is James better off waiting for the offseason to make a move like that to see how things shake out with this team and this roster? Well, I guess it depends on who the guy is, right? Who's the player? I mean, um, if Toronto loses three more games on this road trip and all of a sudden OG and OB becomes available, is he the guy, right? I think a lot of that has to, you know, and if that's the guy, then what happens with the next CBA? I've talked about this at length. Do the extension rules change where, oh, you can extend OG this summer instead of waiting until he becomes a free agent, um, you know, in next offseason here. I think that has some to do with it. I think the... I think the Western Conference, I think, you know, certainly Phoenix has had injuries and they've, you know, went on that, that slide, but the Western Conference is not like the old days here. It's, 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 you know, kept them in the mix here where you probably don't have to do an all in move and still finish in a top six here. Um, you look at Memphis, you look at, um, uh, Denver, the two teams up top, I think you can beat them in a, in a seven-game series. Um, you know, you probably won't get Golden State, um, you know, if you if in the first round here. So I think it's a matter of, hey, it's so wide open that, yeah, we need to go all in because maybe this window is closing a little bit or no. 
you know, it, it's, um, you know, to the point where there's so much parity. Let me, let me ask you about Toronto. I'm fascinated by Toronto. And I know that the Suns like some of the guys there, but not, not a Gary Trent, you know, because he plays the yeah. same position as Booker and he's got a crazy salary for next year. And I think with Pascal Siakam, they just don't really feel that Devin D.A. and Pascal is a great fit. Van Vliet, I don't believe that they want Van Vliet three years ago, maybe, but not now. So let me go, let me go with OG Ananobi. He would cost the Suns a lot. You're talking draft pick compensation, probably Cam Johnson, and then, you know, the expiring contract of Jay. I, I do think that the, out of all the Toronto guys, I think that the interest the most would be an OG. How much do you think you would have to give up to get him? Does that sound reasonable, draft pick compensation, a player like Cam and an expiring contract? Yeah, I think it's probably similar to, um, you know, the Drew Holiday trade when he went from New Orleans to Milwaukee and then also the DeJounte Murray trade. I, I'm not in the belief it's going to be with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. I, I don't I don't see four first pick swaps and all that that comes with it. I think it probably probably a good player, as you mentioned, Cam, probably too unprotected, maybe a swap in there. Um, maybe you can do something with, with the protections, um, you know, with that here. I, I think he would be the perfect guy. Um, you know, is he available in 10 days from now? I don't know. He's got this, you know, he's out for, I think, for a couple of games with a you know sprained wrist. Um, but I think if you have a belief that you know, that you can resign him when he becomes a two, uh, free agent in 2024, unrestricted, um, or you can extend him, as I, as I mentioned before. I think he's the perfect guy. I mean, up to a point, I think the first, you know, half, first, I guess, month and a half, I thought he was their best player. A little bit of a slide in his last 10 games here. But, um, but no, I mean, guys like that, you know, six, eight big wings um, can defend. Um, those are hard to come by when, you know, when they get into free agency. Bobby Marks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're not going to know until we know, but from your experience with stuff like this, how is the equation going to change when Matt Ishbia takes over on what we think is going to be February 8th? We don't know for sure, but that's the day we're hearing, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, it's similar. I mean, we went through in New Jersey with Prokhorov, um, I think in 2010, where he wasn't quite the owner yet, and it was during the trade deadline. Um, I think a lot of it is just really educating him, um, educating him on, you know, everyone comes in and, you know, maybe they think it's kind of fantasy basketball as far as, you know, with guys that you think they're available and are not available here. I think, I think certainly the resources are, are you know, they're there, um, you know, as far as if you have to go deeper into the luxury tax, I think. Um, but I think it, a lot of it is just really kind of just the, the education of, you know, it's, it's an interesting time because it's right at the trade deadline and we're likely getting a, probably a new CBA right at the, at, at the same time here. I think, yeah, I mean, it becomes a, a little bit difficult if I guess, you know, you couldn't make a deal because this ownership um, situation was kind of in, in limbo. Um, but I do think there's probably more clarity. Um, at least we've heard there's probably more clarity when we get closer to the deadline. Let me ask you about Chris Paul, because this is a big thing. He's got he's under contract next year, but only half of it is guaranteed. If you wanted to keep Chris, $30 million, you're paying him. If you want to get off of it, you could, and you pay him 15 It does free up a little bit of cap space for you. Do you think a determination is already done, or do you think it really depends on what he does in the playoffs? I think for him, I would be surprised if he's not back for next year. Now you're asking me about, I think that fourth year is non-guaranteed. Um, I think it's a straight non-guarantee. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, 
listen, he is he where he was two years ago? Probably not. Um, but as you guys know, I mean, point guards are you know good point guards are hard to find. I mean, it really is. And you mentioned Fred VanVleet. It's like you'd have to go through salary cap gymnastics to try to even get him when he becomes a free agency. It'll cost you probably probably maybe cost you Cam because of his, you know his big cap hold here. So I think. Hey, you know, if if you know if they lose in the first round, I think it's it's hard for me to think. You know what? They're going to cut bait with him just to you know be, be now they can use their um, their full mid level. Except this free agent class is 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 interesting just because it's kind of top heavy. You know, with Fred and Kyrie and Guy Harden is another guy out there. Um, but I, you know, unless things really sputter and you know. Um, you know, the years have caught up to him and he, you know, he's not at a, you know, a B level guard. Um, it's hard for me to think that he's probably not back next year. Bobby, you know, we always appreciate the conversation. We look forward to talking to you in the future, man. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. Bobby Marks from ESPN, front office insider in the NBA, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I'm sure we will all, all of our shows will have him on a little closer to the trade deadline to talk about exactly, specifically what's going on with the Suns when we get there. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we are there 4 o'clock, which means it's time to get you caught up on everything going on in sports. And today, that's a lot. The 4 o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.